Welcome to Voices of Baby Loss, presented by me, Caroline Verdon. I'm a broadcaster and journalist, and Jen Coates, who is the Director of Bereavement Support and Volunteering at SANS. SANS is a UK-based charity whose purpose is to save babies' lives and support bereaved families. We also aim to give a voice to parents who've been touched by pregnancy and baby loss. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at SANS Charity and on Twitter at SANS UK. Which is also where you can get in touch with us if you'd like to comment on or get involved in the podcast. We are both touched by baby loss and so this topic is really close to our hearts. Coming up on this week's episode. I had this idea in 2019 that I wanted to do something to almost celebrate her 10th birthday, but also to keep her memory alive. I didn't even know that Baby Loss Awareness Week existed until I lost Isaac. And now, so many of my friends know about it, and hopefully they've told their friends, and they've told their friends, and the conversation will just keep going, and I'm not going to let it stop. Underneath the badge we have our baby's name, so I play with Thomas's name, and I picked the squad number 27, because it was 27 weeks since the pregnancy. So when I play football, it's my opportunity to do something with Thomas. Hello and welcome to episode two. Uh, Now in this episode, we wanted to talk about community and in particular the Sands community, the baby loss community, and also how there are so many different ways in which you can get your support. And we spoke in the last episode about how you can email SANS and there's a phone line you can talk to somebody who understands what you're going through, how there are Facebook groups that you can get involved in, how there are face-to-face support groups that you can go to. But that's actually just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many different ways that you can get involved in the SANS community, that you can feel part of it in a way that both feels comfortable to you, but also gives you the support that you're needing at that point in time. Yes, we have a a big range of activities and channels that people can get involved in. We have family days throughout the year, lights of love services in the winter. We have our garden day. And I think it's just really important that there are activities that people can join in with that aren't just support groups so that maybe they don't feel as intimidating. Although I know our support groups make everybody as welcome as possible, but just the thought of going to sit in a room maybe is quite intimidating to begin with. and joining a running group, for example, or one of the Sands choirs or Sands United football team might feel a kind of gentler way in. I did not know there was a Sands choir. (laughs) There are a few around the country um, that have just grown up in the last couple of years, really. And it's just such a lovely way to get together. And a bit like the Sands United teams, you don't necessarily have to talk about why you're there, but everybody knows why you're there. And it's a wonderful outlet, singing and music and 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 it's a fantastic thing to see, although obviously it's there's always that dilemma, isn't there, about celebrating how much support there is out there, but really wishing it didn't have to be. Yeah, it's a strange position, isn't it? It's a strange position to be in. Um, one of the things we wanted to do in this episode was explore people's different reasons for being involved and look at what they took from the Sands community, how it helped them, as well as what they actually bring to it too. Now, David Charles lost his daughter, Rachel. I suppose at the very start, it's very sharp. It's a very sharp, very intense sort of emotional feeling for the first few years. And I remember the consultant, one of the consultants at the time said, there'll be times whenever you'll feel guilty because you live life and you forget. And it's okay to live life. And I suppose over the time, the the intensity, you don't feel it as sharply i suppose the loss and the grief which is good i suppose 
it changes. The old adage that what gets easier with time, I find is it's not easy to say that at the very start or with time, it'll get easier. But with time, it does because you learn to live with it. Probably it, the grief is probably the same, but it just you've learned to adapt and to live with it and to and to try and take the positives. I think that's been the big thing is to try and take the positives uh, out of a very negative situation. From my perspective, I suppose it makes makes me really appreciate the family that we have here and our girls. And it's changed my perspective in lots of ways in terms of what's important in life and material things. Obviously, you got to work and you want a comfortable standard of living, but you got to balance that with the truly important things, I think. And I think that's been a big change. Somebody once described it to me as our eldest who we lost was called Alex. And they said, that's what Alex has brought to your family. Alex has brought this gift of appreciation yeah i think that's been probably the biggest thing that whenever rachel whenever she passed it was it really made us appreciate uh, emily and naomi and family and whenever even whenever naomi was born it was quite a complicated complicated sort of delivery as well and it worked out good in the end but certainly it, it really does make you appreciate what you've got in a, in a very different way than maybe i would have if it hadn't happened rachel was born on the 11th of september 2010 so in her 10th year, which would have been 2020, I had this idea in 2019 that I wanted to do something to almost celebrate her 10th birthday, but also to keep her memory alive and also to raise the profile of Sands and to give a wee bit back by fundraising. At that time, I did a bit of cycling. I sort of thought, I wonder should I try to do something like 10 cycles in her birthday year? So that was the plan. Set up the Just Giving page and had this grand idea that we would do 10 big cycles. So kicked it off in 2020. And then lo and behold, in February 2020, there was this thing called COVID came along and <laughs> ruined all our great ideas. It was a bit disappointing, obviously, that that all of the sort of the cycles that I had planned for the year through different groups all got postponed. And I thought, oh no, this is, this is a bit devastating. But then I decided that I would just defer it and wait till lockdowns ended and start my own cycles rather than doing organized cycles. So I started that really from August 2020 and I finished it on the 31st of December 2021. It's an incredible thing to do. You know, it's an incredible fitness feat for starters, but also to give so much of yourself and to lay yourself bare and to raise so much money and to help other people understand and come to terms with baby loss and express their own emotions. It's really quite amazing. It was strange because whenever the whenever I started my first cycle, I decided to do a lap of Loch Ness, which is just under 100 miles. And, and the night beforehand, I thought, what am I actually doing? I don't even know if I can cycle 100 miles because I hadn't before. And, I like uh, that this was the thought the night before. Night before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It, so anyway, I started posting a few videos uh, the night before or the morning. Just to say, look, cycle for Rachel. I'm going to set out here. Wish me luck. If you want to donate, you can find me just giving page. And I, I said to Claire, my wife, that I'm hoping to make it halfway round, about 50 miles by about 12 o'clock. And if I make it to the 50 miles, I know I'll be able to make it to the 100 miles. And so I stopped halfway. Basically, it was 12 o'clock coming into about 50 miles into the village, about 50 miles away. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to be able to do this. And I checked my, my, I was on eating my lunch and checked on my phone and had all these likes on the video that I had posted. And it was an incredible encouragement that, that people were saying good luck and we're wishing you well and we're with you. And it just it spurred me on. 
And whenever I made it to the 100 miles, I thought, this is absolutely brilliant. And it started to come in. And a couple of days later, one of my friends said, when's your next cycle? And I said, I haven't planned my second cycle yet, but it'll be probably October time. I says, would you like, if you don't mind, we'll come along with you and we'll set up our own just giving page or our own donation page and, and we'll come along with you. So Ian and Leslie came along for the second cycle. Leslie was a midwife, knows Sands, has obviously seen babies being delivered that haven't made it. So we did her cycle, second cycle, and again, just the enthusiasm and the social media posts and the, it really just took off from there. And we ended up, we, over the next, from basically from that August until, until the December of the following year, we grew a team. We grew a team of different cyclists on different events. We had a cycle with our church and we had probably 20, 20 people cycling for Rachel on that cycle. We had a sand. What did that we, feel like? Oh, it was brilliant. It was, it just felt. It felt that people were with us, that, that it was, that it felt like a real community. It felt like a real, that people really wanted to give up their time to, to participate. It was just brilliant. It just, and it gave, again, it gave me the courage because sometimes you have these grand ideas. I'll do a bit of cycle and I'll raise a bit of money and it could fall apart very easily, but it just grew and it grew and it was so much encouragement. It was brilliant that I suppose the big thing for us was that, or for me was that it kept Rachel's name alive 10 years on. And it was really nice to be able to do that. And it just grew the whole way. We cycled Loch Ness in Scotland, 70 miles around Loch Ness in last August. And again, I was concerned the night before. I thought, what am I doing again? Because it's quite steep inclines around Loch Ness. But it was absolutely fantastic. My friends, school friends from whenever I was in primary school came along with me and they live up in Aberdeenshire. And again, it just got so much publicity and it was brilliant. So we ended up doing 10, 10 big cycles. And we had actually a sand cycle in Northern Ireland where there was, then we cycled for, along the towpath from, so I ported down to Nuriam back again. And there was a lot of people there that joined the cycle that had lost babies themselves. So again, it created a community. So it was fantastic, really fantastic. And the money, it's overwhelming actually. The, we raised just, just shy of £26,000 over that period. And I never in my wildest dreams thought that we would raise anywhere near that amount of money so it's just the generosity and the it's, it's just overwhelming the people at times during covid whenever there was furlough and there was lockdowns and it was a very difficult period for a lot of people that they came along and joined team cycle for rachel and gave up their time and donated incredible amounts of money it was just it's just overwhelming just unbelievable it sounds like such an incredible event and something that so many people got something from for completely different reasons that it sounds like it was very powerful for a lot of people one of the final cycles that we did actually was lap 10 and i decided to do basically each mile in memory of a different baby that had been lost so what would happen is that somebody would make a donation in memory of maybe a grandchild or a, a nephew or a niece or a daughter our son and every night I would have posted basically on on the Facebook page mile one is in memory of Ian and then the next night mile two is in memory of Mary or whoever mile, mile 17 was in memory of so we ended up we got 60 donations 60 miles so I was a bit nervous at one point because I thought if this, these donations keep on, I was cycling. I was basically the Saturday before Christmas and where we live, the sun was down about half three at this time of year. I was like, if I have to cycle a hundred miles, I'm not quite <laughs> sure how I'm going to cycle. 
100 miles is close to Christmas. But so we got 60 miles for 60 babies. That lap 10 was probably the most powerful because I wasn't just doing it for Rachel. I was doing it for 60 little girls and little boys. That's phenomenal. There was one lady that, that I knew who had lost her little baby. It was 50 years ago. This lady's now in her 80s. And, and it was just really powerful to be able to remember her daughter and it was like mile 17 or mile 18 but it was just really nice to be able to because the big thing about cycle for Rachel was it was remembering Rachel but this gave me a platform to help other people remember their little kids it's just so powerful so powerful and one of the things about it that I find so interesting is that We've spoken a few times about how quite often people want friends and family want to help and they want to get involved, but they just have no idea what to do, what to say. Quite often people will say nothing because they have a fear that by saying something, it might upset you. And that's the last thing that they would want. So they stay distance. And it's interesting. You're talking about how many friends and members of the community got involved with this, because I suppose it was an easier way of showing that you and your family and Rachel were important to them. And it was a nice way of them being able to show that and get involved without having to talk about feelings, which, you know, can be difficult for some people. Totally. Sometimes it's easier to be practical. Baby loss sometimes, even now, there is maybe a bit of a stereotype. People don't want to talk about it. People find it difficult to talk about. We've lived it. So we, as said, we quite like the memory of Rachel to be kept alive. Now, we don't want to live in the past. We want to live in the present. But it was nice that people felt comfortable coming along, knowing what we had gone through, supporting us. There's lots of ways that uh, doing a, like a charity event where you'd be surprised just how many people get involved that you wouldn't even think would want to get involved. I often reflect on how how generous people are in their the midst of their grief and their journey that they so want to make it better for other people and also really want to make sure that it doesn't happen to anybody else. And I, it never ceases to humble me, I think, that even in the midst of that pain, people are thinking about others and it's extraordinary, really. And I think that's at the heart of Sands as well and all of our activities. I think there's an element of it, isn't there, where we sort of look for meaning we just want yeah. we want to try and make some sort of sense and I, I remember when when we lost Alex being asked at the hospital if we would and it's it's such a blur but perhaps if we would donate some tissue for further research or something along these lines and mm. and I remember thinking yeah absolutely because then he will make a difference Mm. and he will mean something to somebody else you know and Mm. that was so important to me to be able to to do that Um, and I think it's the same isn't it when you create an event in somebody's name or or raise awareness and allow other people insight into this club that no one wants to be a member of, but yeah. so that they actually understand and get a better understanding of what it's like and how often it's happening and to how many people. Yeah. And I think it's about parenting after loss, how you parent that the baby that isn't there anymore and create the memories and the stories retrospectively. And it's something you never expect to have to do but is so important and, as you say, gives meaning and love that 
has nowhere else to go, it, it gives you that space to do that um, and makes a difference at the same time. Absolutely. I think it ties in also to the hashtags that we sometimes use, still a mum, hashtag still a mum and hashtag still a dad and giving parents opportunities to be still a mum and still a dad. One of the people we're speaking to for a later episode is Peter Byram and he lost his son Thomas and we're going to speak to him about all the different work that he does within Sands and also in a special episode all about the Sands United Football Club but there was something that he said that is so relatable to what we're talking about right now about having that ability to still parent. I didn't get to make any memories with, with Thomas. When Denise was expecting Thomas, I on my way to work, I'd walk past a school that he probably would have gone to. And not far from us, there's a, a sports ground. And when we were trying to start a family, we should be pregnant with him. I thought, I wonder if he's going to be into playing sports, thinking, am I going to spend Sunday mornings in the winter getting freezing cold and soaking wet? I hope I am. I'd love it if he wanted to play sports and that. So I don't know if he'd ever done that. And if I'd ever gone along and, and done that with him. But player football of all the guys that play for Sands United there's probably no two shirts the same because we play with underneath the badge we have our, our baby's name and we choose our, our squad numbers but it's particular to us so I play with with Thomas's name I, I play with a couple of friends baby's names underneath the badge as well but with predominantly with Thomas's name and I picked the squad number 27 because it was 27 weeks since the pregnancy so when I play football it's my opportunity to do something with Thomas I'm spending a bit of time with him and I, I sort of by carrying his, his name on my shirt and onto the pitch we cross the touchline together. Whether I'm on for 90 seconds running around until I injure myself or whether I walk around the centre circle for half an hour, it's that time I've got with, with Thomas to, to do something with him. I think that's such a beautiful way of looking at it and yet another really important use of the community that is is there. Um, Jen, you touched on it earlier about how one of the ways in which people use the community is to sort of shout from the rooftops and to make sure that this doesn't happen to other people and to make sure that people are aware that baby loss actually happens. And creating that community is a real driver for one of the people we've spoken to, Tanya. Uh, Tanya Howard lost her little boy, Isaac. And really, it was her return to work that created that driver. I was more worried that people wouldn't realize the severity of it and Tanya's lost her baby but that's it she's fine she's moving on she's coming back to work well no that's not the case ask me about it I'll tell you that unfortunately I had to give birth to my son and then we had to attend his funeral and we had to bury him and it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life um and that probably is a bit weird to people to want to talk about that but I guess it was my way of dealing with the grief I guess maybe that was my way of going and speaking to people and trying to maybe counsel myself while I was waiting for the counselling. I don't know. When I found out that Alex's heart wasn't beating and that was it, I was going to have to deliver him. I did not know how that would work. In a hospital, at home, take a tablet, have an operation. I had no concept because it wasn't something that was ever spoken about. And then when there was conversations about funerals, I had no idea that when people experience loss I, I had no idea that people delivered a baby I don't know what I thought happened I had no idea that funerals happened I didn't know any of that and it's so strange because it happens all the time to so many people but this is a reflection of the conversations that don't happen mm. and the the lack of awareness because even when I was being told that 
we could not continue with the pregnancy, I had no idea what was going to happen to me. I was being thrusted all of these consent forms to yeah. sign and a, con a consent form about a post-mortem and things like that. And I just, I didn't know what any of that meant at the time. And then you're right, you know, you, I was given the tablet. I then had to go home and spend a day feeling really sick on the sofa. So that's like a whole weekend of knowing that your body is about to do the most horrendous thing. Mm. And then I was in early on the Sunday morning. And because if you take certain types of drugs that you're given, if you're delivering a baby in a good situation, if you're offered those you can take them, but they then delay the outcome. And in my head, I didn't want to delay anything. So I dealt with the pains of the contractions and things like that for eight hours. And then he was delivered. And I can just, I can just remember it on my mum's face and just how, how w weird it all was because none of us knew even then in that hospital bed, what to expect. And he came out and he was still in his sack and I didn't know that was a thing. I can totally identify with that. It's so surreal at the time. And you feel as if you're looking down into someone else's life and looking at yourself in that hospital bed as your brain allowed it to filter through, how much that then powers your fundraising and your desire to do something that then creates a new memory around Isaac. Definitely. I think my family would now describe it as I've tried really hard to turn it into more of a positive situation where I talk to people about it and I try and get this community spirit and I fundraise every single year, sometimes twice a year, just to get his name out there and not lose, not that I think I ever would lose any sight of memory, but even just for family and friends, there are times where I, I, well, to be honest, one example um, that I wanted to talk about was, I think it was last year, I was running a couple of minutes behind on Baby Loss Awareness Week because my toddler, and it was the wave of light, and obviously it's at seven o'clock, isn't it, and I can't stop time uh, and as much as I'd have liked, and I was running literally two minutes behind, and my phone completely lit up with candles from my parents, my best friends, people that are really close to me. And they had done that without any prompt from me. And so that that's me that's done that because, you know, unfortunately it, it's new to all of them. They'd have never had to really deal with this before, but it's opened a lot of their eyes to the quietness of the subject and just continually talking about it is getting other people talking, is getting other people doing things. You know, my new partner that I'm with, it, he wasn't there through any of Isaac and he has done the 50 mile bike ride with me. He's done the ribbon run and he climbed Snowden with me. I didn't ask for that, but he can see the passion in me and the hurt still in me. And I guess it just gets other people motivated to want to talk about it as well. What an amazing gift that you are giving so many people that, that chance to have that conversation and to not feel so alone yeah. and to be armed and to know what to do should it happen to somebody else that they know or to them. I really feel for the people that lost during COVID because mm. I obviously had a very strong support system in my family and close friends when we got home and there were people dropping nice things around and checking in on us on a daily basis um, and to go through that and then go home and not be able to have any face-to-face -face contact or have a hug 
I can't even imagine how difficult that is. And I think that's what's really spurred me recently to just continue to fundraise because I just think it's really sad. And those people will feel more alone probably than anyone else because unfortunately they were alone. So it's good to make sure that we keep these services in place so the conversations can happen. And yes, virtually isn't giving you a hug, but it's giving you an opportunity to talk to someone. And knowing that if you raise a certain amount of money for SANS, they can still have a conversation with someone. That's really important to me. That's why it's so important that we raise as much awareness as possible, that services are out there for everybody. I didn't even know that Baby Loss Awareness Week existed until I lost Isaac. And now so many of my friends know about it and hopefully they've told their friends and they've told their friends and the conversation will just keep going and I'm not going to let it stop. So I'm hoping that even if I just help one parent, that's all I want to do. She's so passionate, isn't she? It's really inspiring. That's nearly all we have time for on this episode. But on our next episode, we're going to be talking about an element of sands that if I'm if I'm honest, I don't think I really realised existed initially. Because I think for me in those early days, I needed support. I needed the phone lines. I needed to know what on earth was going on with my body. I needed to know what was going to happen next. And it's that kind of information that I took away from SANS. And I was quite oblivious to the fact that a gigantic part of what SANS does is actually make changes to the future, both in terms of if people unfortunately have to go through loss, then they're gently taken through it in the best way possible, that there are the best support systems in place. But equally, to prevent so many people having to go through loss and to save babies' lives. So yeah, we're going to be talking to Professor Sarah Stock, who's a consultant and a researcher, and also Sherilyn McCrory, MP, to talk about the differences that can be made in science, but also in terms of policy. As always, we like to end each episode with a message of hope. So these are Tanya Howard's hopes for the future. I guess I just want to hopefully be able to have another healthy child in the future. So that's my main goal. But my other goals are to keep talking about the subject and keep trying to help people and just not let Isaac get forgotten in any way and celebrate him and the life that he could have had and make sure that Florence grows up and feels that she can ask me questions about it when she's older and that she can talk about it and just continue to work on myself for him really because I would love to think that he's looking down on me and he's actually really proud. Voices of Baby Loss is an under-the-mast creative audio production.